We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Sports Betting Pod. Nick Whalen, John McKechnie here with you. We are talking NFL Divisional Weekend. Uh, John, fun, extremely fun Super Wild Card Weekend. You know, I, I see why they they attached the Super to the front of it. That was that was I, that was as memorable of a Wild Card Weekend as we've had uh, in a couple of years. So we'll we'll do a little bit of looking back on that. Obviously, we're recording this you know Thursday late afternoon. So if you're listening to this show, you probably know what happened on Wild Card Weekend. You probably thought quite a bit about it, but. We'll talk about the four games coming at us. We'll, we'll you know, dig in on some Super Bowl odds as well. Uh, anything else that, that piques our interest over at the sportsbook. Uh, but good to be back with you, John. And uh, where are your nerves at right now? I mean, there's nothing better than you know being the fan of the number one seed and just being able to, to sit back, take in Super Wild Card Weekend. Obviously, you know, you, you might have some uh, a matchup or, or two that you're hoping falls your way. But um, you know, what, what a sigh of relief to, to have that one seed. Yes, I mean it's definitely provided me some some time to just relax, dating back to New Year's Eve. Really, like a you know that's the last time that I've been stressed about football because that was the day that uh, the Ravens took care of business against the Dolphins and locked up the one seed. So the following week, you know, to to score some like karma points, I even watched the Ravens Steelers game with a Steelers fan. Uh, you know, and just completely like no trash talk. Like I'm just I'm just smart, sitting there enjoying myself. Like, hey. Hey, look! Like you, you guys, you guys can win this game. You guys can get into the playoffs. Like, good for y'all. Um, but uh, now the nerves are set in, and you know, like it, it, I've been talking about it for for weeks at this point. Where I, you know, I'm just scared to death of, of the football gods bestowing Joe Flacco back into Baltimore. But as last weekend's game unfolded, I realized, I thought to myself, oh, he also definitely could have had this game next weekend in Baltimore. You know, so. Uh, now Baltimore has CJ Stroud. The, the the books hung the number at nine and a half. I saw it go down in some spots to, to eight and a half. And a lot of the money is still uh, coming in on, on Houston. I think it, we're over 60% on Houston. I think it used to be a bit more, but it's it's back up to nine and a half. So it, it's uh, bounced around a little bit over the course of the week, settled in. I think that's where it's going to pretty much stay um, at this juncture. I don't think weather is going to be a big concern, but you know, uh, really, that this comes down to C.J. Stroud has already like proven to be a, a good postseason quarterback. He looked phenomenal uh, last week, just cool as a cucumber, and you know just really made it happen against a Browns team that you know I, I think in hindsight you can point to more flaws than than what we were really looking at going into last weekend. But uh, the Texans are also very healthy going into this game, whereas the Ravens 
Marlon Humphrey's going to be out. That that's a pretty big deal. Uh, Mark Andrews might be back though, which I, I mean I don't expect it to be 100% Mark Andrews, but having another uh, presence to help move the chains, I, th- I think, is pretty big for them. I, I am concerned about the running back personnel. Uh, I think they do matter in, in an offense like Baltimore's. Um, you know, having to call Dalvin Cook up uh, doesn't make you feel awesome. He had two fumbles this year on on fewer than 70 carries, so. Uh, you know, if the complaint about Melvin Gordon was the fumbles, Dalvin Cook might not be like the, the guy that assuages them necessarily. But uh, long, long answer short, I'm officially nervous. And nine and a half points when you see that your initial uh, like knee jerk reaction is like, no, that I think the Texans can hang in there. I think so too. And you know, I put up beating the book earlier today and I, I did take the Texans plus nine and a half. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those games where I wouldn't say nothing would surprise me because used to going in and winning this game, that would surprise me. I, I will say that, especially if they do it in, in a, anywhere near as dominant fashion as last week, but uh, you know, Baltimore winning this game by six, by seven, by 14, you know, those, those all seem well within the realm of possibility. I, I don't see the, the Ravens losing this game straight up, but I will ask you, you know, you join us, every week on Roadwire Fantasy Sports Today, which you could hear 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fantasy. And you, know, you told us, like, man, the matchup that I'm kind of scared of in round two would be the Cleveland Browns, you know, a team that had already beaten the Ravens earlier this season. At the time, you know, Joe Flacco on that heater. There had to be some, like, Flacco going up against Baltimore, devil magic, if that matchup were to have occurred. But, you know, how do you feel now in retrospect that the Browns got completely housed by this Texans team? Like, are, do, you, do you still feel like the Browns were the worst matchup between the two for Baltimore? I do. Um, and and I, I think, you know, w- without taking credit away from, from what the Texans did last week, there were things that that happened in that game that aren't necessarily sticky week to week, like like uh, multiple defensive touchdowns. You don't really expect that that to happen, you know, kind of in the same way that, that 49ers fans were, were coping after the Ravens beat them uh, on Christmas, where it's like, well, the Niners aren't going to turn the ball over five times every week. And it's like, well, it, it happened. You can't take that away. But like that, that is also true that you, you can't just go into a game banking on on a team uh, really just melting down on, on offense to, to that to that level. Um, so I think Houston is, you know, obviously like the, the story of the year at this point for, for them to, to come in with some of the longest Super Bowl odds, uh, rookie quarterback, first time head coach and to be in the divisional round. And, and you know, a lot of people picking them. Uh, against the spread. I think it, it's a testament to what they've done there in Houston. But I think the roster still just lags behind. I think one to 53 um, or, or one to 22, however you want to to scope it. I, I think Baltimore is the mo- more talented side. I think um, the, the Humphrey issue is significant because Houston really only has like one true alpha pass catcher, I think, and that's Nico Collins. So uh, the, the Ravens lack of secondary personnel is a bit concerning in that in that regard at the cornerback spot. So we'll, we'll have to see what Mike McDonald uh, dials up to, to kind of slow down Nico Collins, because if they slow down that connection between him and Stroud, I think it's going to be really tough sledding for, for Houston to get anything else going. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, Houston's been banged up all year, especially lately. And, you know, now Noah Brown has joined Tank Dell on IR. So we're, we're really officially down to Collins, Robert Woods, and, and John Mechie. And obviously that was enough last week. Uh, but I, I also don't think Baltimore is giving you back-to-back pick sixes and just going to decline to tackle Brevin Jordan on a 75-yard touchdown, right? So I, I think I think the way in which Houston beat Cleveland, you can't expect that kind of game two weeks in a row. I feel the same way about Green Bay going up against San Francisco. It's like, it's like Houston and the Packers almost played too well last week. It's like, good luck replicating that against a more difficult opponent in the next round. So I, I do think Baltimore will end up being fine here. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being, you know, 27-20, that type of game. I do think Houston can hang around. And, you know, I, what else can you really say about C.J. Stroud? Like, I would love to say, man, he's down Takedale. He's down Noah Brown. They don't really have anybody else behind, besides Collins. It didn't matter last week. It hasn't really mattered down the stretch when they needed to win games and they were down a bunch of key personnel. I mean, I Stroud to me, like he, he's, he looks like a fourth year, you know, all pro type of player at this point. I don't think, I mean, he hasn't thrown an interception in, in how many weeks now, like five or six games in a row. It's like, it's just Back not to November 11th. Right. Yeah. I mean, so more than that, um, you know, the, the typical pitfalls that you would bring up, man, rookie quarterback, he's inexperienced. It's only his second career playoff start. I don't even consider those things when I when I think about CJ Stroud. Like he's just he's already advanced past that level. No, he he has he he is truly uh, something else. Um, just ice water in his veins. I mean he he played that way for the most part at, at Ohio State, and it was a you know a, a 
pro-friendly offense that, that kind of got him ready for this, more, maybe more than, than people would have expected. But I think that there's also just the Stroud himself factor. I think that, that that guy is just a cool customer and he's insanely talented, extremely poised. Um, you know, he just is able to extend plays the right way, keep it, keep his eyes down the field, find the open guy. I mean, we saw a couple like wide open touchdowns last week, especially like, you know, it was impressive early on where the game was still hanging in the balance and they're kind of going ba- back and forth between him and, and Flacco and Stroud's the one that didn't blink, you know, like Flacco and, and the Browns had some long plays some touchdowns and you're like, Oh, you know, the Browns could be in business here, but, but Stroud just kept it going and Flacco fell apart. So, I mean, that, and we're talking about Flacco, like a, what, 38 year old veteran with, with 10 postseason wins, 15 career postseason starts going into that game and, and Stroud outdueled him. So, uh, you know, he Stroud absolutely scares me. And uh, one one last personal note on, on this game. So uh, we've had a, a, a date night scheduled for uh, months for this exact Saturday. Uh, we're going to Cirque du Soleil in Atlanta. And uh, I, I got to say, I wasn't stoked what? with this with the Saturday time slot. Uh, on, what, what are you going to do? One. What do you mean? What, what are you going to do? So what I'm what I'm gonna have to do is just hope that this is a blowout, but but otherwise, um, you know, the, the I have had to fully mentally prepare myself to watch the first three and a half quarters at home, and then just watch it on my phone on the way to Cirque du Soleil, and potentially have uh, just an absolutely brutal evening or an absolutely jubilant evening, one or the other. Will you be able to stream the game, or is this going to be you know checking the box score situation? I do have YouTube TV on my phone, so like I will be able to watch it. Um, but right. it, boy, I, I could be in a, in a foul mood potentially as, as I watch these guys fly through the air. Man, <laughs> I would not, I would not wish that on my worst enemy, man. If I, if I had to sit at a, a Cirque du Soleil, uh, during a Jags playoff game, I mean, you're, a, I thought you were going to say you had to cancel the date. I mean, the fact that you're going through with this, I think speaks to your character. Well, uh, in mentioning it, uh, it became abundantly clear before I even got the full thought out that, um that that wasn't a, a possibility for me. Jeez. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thoughts and prayers. I, I just, I'm emotionally shaken by this, John, and I, I can, I can feel for you, but uh, all right. To put a bow on Texans Ravens. We're both on, are we both on Texans nine and a half? Are you taking, uh, the Ravens? We, where are you going? Um, I, I think I, I will side with, with the Texans here to, I think this is a, this is a touchdown game. I, I think we're looking at something like 24, 17 Baltimore. Okay. There we go. That would go under 43 and a half. That's the number yes. I'm seeing at DraftKings. Packers Niners is our night game on Saturday. Another nine and a half point spread. Both of these have sat there for much of the week. Total up at 50 and a half. That's our highest of the week right now. Just a hair uh, above Bucks Lions, which is 49 and a half. Brutal spot for the Packers. Obviously, they're playing with house money. You know, the season's already a success. You got to get all those cliches out there, but your reward for knocking off the Dallas Cowboys, uh, such as life as the seventh seed, is you got to go on the road at the 49ers. You know, I I, I think this game and, and, and the Houston-Baltimore game are, are parallel in some ways. You know, two teams that, you know, pulled off upsets that were – it didn't really feel fluky, right? I mean, dominant upsets. Two of the more dominant upsets that we've seen in recent playoff history. Uh, but you're going up a level in competition. And I, I, Green Bay, man, I, I think you have to respect the offense. I still have big questions about the defense. Uh, you know, this is three straight weeks where they've shown up to, to varying degrees, especially the Chicago and the Dallas game. Uh, you know, Dallas ended up with like 500 some yards of total offense. That's, you know, that's a crock. That, that, oh, was, yeah. that was garbage time. I know that game got a little tight toward the end, 
the Packers defense did exactly what it needed to do. Got a pick six, had a pick early in the game by Jair. That completely changed things as my ring light almost falls over. Big save there. Um, can the Packers defense do this again? That is that is the question. Can they can they exploit the 49ers in that way? Can you get can you get after Brock Purdy to the point where he is rushed, where he's making the kind of just horrendous decisions that Dak Prescott was making? Like credit to Green Bay for for the way they scheme that defense. Also credit to Dak Prescott for, you know, especially that savage pick. I mean, that 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 was like a Will Levis throw. That was a Desmond Ritter throw, right? I mean, it, Darnell Savage took one step and he had nothing but you know green in, in front of it. 55 yard walk-in pick six. I you know, as many questions as we could throw out about Brock Purdy, he hasn't made many of those type of throws this season. That's true. Um, so you can't bank on that the same way, although it the the kind of common theme in in the 49ers losses this year has been Purdy meltdowns and, and Purdy multi-interception games. He's, you know, when they're, when they're humming and he's not turning the ball over, they, they are next to impossible to beat. But um, you know, we, we've had a seasons long and, and maybe longer worth of questions about the Packers defense and, and Joe Barry and all that. And yet, you know, of late they have played extremely well. So it, it does kind of make you reconsider that. And maybe these guys are, are tapping into a level that, that, you know, is, more representative of what what that defense looks like on paper talent wise uh, which is a good thing of course but um, they, they aren't going to get gifted the, the same things kind of like what I was saying about the Texans um, pretty won't pretty won't do anything that dumb at least I, I don't think so but um, you you know even if he is like a little bit uh, shaky in the early goings and I don't think that we have reason to believe that he will necessarily like you still have Christian McCaffrey like that's the thing about the 49ers is like if you take away one thing the other thing can, can more than make up for it so that that's what concerns me there um, Mar- Mario and I were talking on the fantasy pod earlier um, Aaron Jones was obviously great last week you do worry about uh, the, the Packers ability to kind of replicate that success on the ground against this 49ers run defense and if that's the case then it's all on Jordan Love and if you're a Packers fan, you, you don't necessarily hate that at this point, but it's you still have to acknowledge that it's a pretty huge ask to to say, all right, Jordan, like you, you're going into San Francisco, the number one seed, the best team in football, uh, and you've got a, a hodgepodge of uh, you know day two and day three, first and second year guys to to make it work, um, and that that just probably is too much. I think the Packers hang around. I could see the Niners pulling away late, so. I, I am kind of going back and forth on, on which side I'm taking here, but um, I, I don't think that the Packers run continues here. I don't think so either. I, I think they'll put in a spirited effort. I certainly feel better about them hanging in with the 49ers now based on what we saw last week and even in the Chicago game than if you had asked me three weeks ago, hey, if these teams are playing in San Francisco, what's the final score? I, w- I would have said like, I don't know, 49 to 17. But I, I think Green Bay, you, know, you mentioned they're, they're doing this with – such a kind of random collection of players where if you're, if you're not following the Packers closely, you're probably wondering like, who, who is this Bo Melton character? Uh, you know, why is Dontavian Wicks dominating this game against the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, but I, I do think in some ways that almost makes them more difficult to defend, right? Like with, with, with a team like San Francisco, I mean, they have as many playmakers as anybody, but you, you kind of know who you got to stop, right? You got to find Brandon Ayuk. You got to find Debo Samuel. Obviously you do what you can to limit Christian McCaffrey with the Packers. There's Aaron Jones. But then it's you don't know who's going to be the number one receiver, right? Like if somebody had told you the Packers are going to jump out to a 27-0 lead, they're going to hit a bunch of big plays, they're going to put up 48 points on the Cowboys, and Jaden Reed's going to have zero receiving yards, and he's not going to even have a carry in that game. You would think that's insane, right? But right. You know, Romeo Dobbs was not really a big part of the game plan down the stretch. There was talk of, you know, kind of where's his, where's he at long term? Did he take a step back? He becomes the number one guy. 
in the Dallas game. You know, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, those guys have given them plenty of good reps over the last few weeks as well. So I think th- the one thing you could say about the Packers offense is they've in a roundabout way become difficult to prepare for because you don't really know who's going to hurt you every single week. And all those guys are, are kind of on the same level where it feels like if you know, their ability to, to, to generate wide open receivers, by the way, is, is was, was a huge thing last week against Dallas. Like I, can you expect that? You know, I mean, there were what three or four times where Jordan Love was able to kind of drop back, drop back, and then just loft one up and just, you know, wasn't a great throw necessarily, but just make sure the receiver catches it. Cause there's nobody within 10 yards of him. You can't guarantee that that happens again. But uh, again, when you, when you have six or seven guys that you kind of feel like are all equal threats in one way or another, I think that does make them difficult to defend. So I think the Packers will score. You know, do they get to 30? No, I, I don't I don't think they do. The question is, do the Niners get to 30? Do they put up 33, 37? Because I, I do still think a, a Packers defensive collapse is on the table. I do too. Um, so I, I, it's going to be tough to um, hold up against, you know, that, that litany of playmakers over, over four quarters. I mean, McCaffrey, um, we assume that he's going to be back to, to 100%. You Kittle, you you know, just like what we were saying, it, it's just you take something away and the and the other guy steps right up and, and hurts you in a different way. Like, you know, we've seen Kittle get shut down in games where Debo Samuel basically wins the game for them straight up. And Brandon Ayuk is, you know, probably the best wide receiver, too, um, in, in the league as far as like where he falls on, on the depth chart. Um, so it, it's just it's really tough to to slow them down and, and come up with a game plan that's complete enough to to do that. Uh, the right way. I think the pass rush is absolutely going to have to get home in this one. And that's, again, a big ask against a 49ers offensive line uh, that is as good as it is. So I think that that the Niners are among the the two t- two favorites, big favorites on Saturday. I think uh, the Niners are more likely to, to cover. Um, yeah. I, and uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where, where I end up landing on it. I feel the same way. And, you know, one thing I've said all year about the Niners is they don't they don't have to play a, an A plus game to to beat a good team like Green Bay by two scores. You know, they have so many weapons and so many options that even if Green Bay does a good job slowing down Christian McCaffrey, it's like, well, you know, good luck stopping all three of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. You know, on top of that, they have so many options where they've I mean, they've had plenty of games this year. Like the Arizona one is the one that always comes to mind. It's like they almost allowed 250 rushing yards to the Cardinals. You know, Arizona's going up and down the field. I think we were on San Francisco in the circuit contest that week. They still find a way to win that game by, I think, three scores. It's just like, they yep. didn't even feel like they played well. It's like they, they they completely gassed that one away in the second half. And whenever they need to put a touchdown on the board, they can. I just, I'm not buying that Green Bay could continue to hold up defensively. And, you know, I, I think the number one thing they did to beat Dallas, other than hitting those, you know, some big plays and, and of course, the pick six was causing Dak Prescott to go into a panic midway through the first quarter. And I, I just, it's really hard for me to imagine Green Bay getting off to that crazy of a start, right? Where the Cowboys immediately wilted. Like that was such a classic Cowboys collapse. I think any Cowboys fan would tell you, yeah, what once we saw those first how those first few drives went for both teams, we kind of knew what was coming. Like I just I don't think the Niners are, would, would would fall into that trap even if Green Bay, you know, marches down and scores on their first drive. Yeah, they're they're not going to blink the the way that the Cowboys did. Like it they like CD Lamb was yelling at Dak Prescott after the first drive and like yeah, he had gotten exactly. a target on third down, you know? Like so, it's not like he wasn't getting fed. It's not like he had opportunities yeah. to get fed really at the, at that juncture and y- you could see the the unraveling uh beginning. Mm-hmm. So, uh per- Purdy is a uh he's a cooler customer than than Dak Prescott is already and I I absolutely trust him more in the postseason. So, I think he'll he'll keep things afloat even if, you know, the the Packers uh, that 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 opening script it, it is able to you know produce a touchdown or two. 
Yeah, give me the Niners minus nine and a half. Give me the over 50 and a half. And if you're looking for a prop for this game, I like George Kittle over 52 and a half receiving yards. Packers 30th in the NFL in yards per target to tight ends this season. They've given up an NFL high 10 touchdowns to tight ends. Jake Ferguson obviously had a huge game last week. I don't think we see three touchdowns from George Kittle, but I think there should be a, a pretty good spot for him against a vulnerable defense. So Kittle over 52 and a half receiving yards is my play there. Uh, all right, let's get to the Sunday slate, John. Hopefully you have no no like Sunday morning, Cirque du Soleil, anything going on? I, I am like hard vetoing, like having to do anything on, on Sunday, I think. So um, it, it can either be laying about because it, it's, uh, you know, like a, a hedonistic glory or, or just like a, I, I can't get out of bed until like kickoff starts. <laughs> but either way, either way. Um, yeah, we're 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 the the coast is clear as far as our Sunday uh, football watching uh, is concerned. So kicking it off with with uh, Detroit and Tampa, a nice little kind of lead back in into things. And um, you know, I thought both of those both the games that these two teams played last weekend were a ton of fun. I thought that the Lions Rams game was probably game of the weekend. Um, you know, that was amazing stuff. Um, I, I loved uh, when the Rams got the ball for their first possession. Tariko just didn't say anything. Just let the let the moment be what it was, and let that let how loud that crowd was be be you know heard by by the entire country. I thought that was that was sick. It was a crazy environment. People, grown men crying at the end of that game. I mean, it had it all. It was a, it was a lot of fun. And then the the Bucks, you know, they stamped out the joyless Philadelphia Eagles, who had just become officially like a bummer uh, over the last like month and a half. And it's like good, good, like it. I, I'm complete. I couldn't be more neutral on an NFL team than I am the Buccaneers. But uh, seeing them beat Philly like that, that, that I was pleased. A bummer is the perfect way. That's the best way I've heard anybody describe the Eagles for the last two months. They're just a bummer. Like there, there, there's just no fun whatsoever. Nobody seems to 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 be like. I, there's no urgency. Like that didn't feel like a playoff game for Philly at all. Like they they that to me felt like a week eighteen. Like oh whatever happens happens. We're good type of game. I, you know other than the one long play to Devonte Smith, I don't think they had, I don't think they had another play that went for more than 15 yards. Certainly they didn't through the air. I think Julio had the second longest pass play of the day. Swift might've had one long run, but there's just, there's nothing happening for Philly. It's like they, they go, they, it was a one score game. They take the safety and that just, it felt like the game was over. And that, you know, that, that made it what I think a 10 point game or a nine point game. And like that. It, it just, it just felt like the Eagles looked around and were like, well, that's it. I guess there's nothing we can do. This one's over. I'm like there's plenty of time, but like, what is going on here? And obviously it just got worse and worse as that game went along. The question is, what do we do with Tampa Bay? What do we take away from that? Like, cause I, you know, my thought is just, man, the Eagles are a bummer. Like anybody could have beaten them last week. It feels like, but Tampa Bay deserves credit for how dominant they were. Uh, you know, I think the defense showed up uh, in a way that we just weren't quite sure, especially against the pass. I thought that should have been a better spot for Philly, even without AJ Brown. That's a Bucks defense. That's just hemorrhaged pass yards all year. And, you know, now you're going to Detroit. I think we should be very clear that regardless of what happens here, either Baker Mayfield or the Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions are going to be playing with the Super Bowl on the line next week. That that's just how it breaks down. Um, I, I like Detroit here. I'm not. I, I'm not even the biggest Lions backer. I've kind of been anti Lions all year. I thought they were going to lose straight up to the Rams. I thought the Rams kind of blew a pretty big opportunity. I thought they were the better team last week. Didn't you know, had a few things that didn't go their way, but obviously didn't play well enough to win. And you know Detroit, you know skates by. They, they win that game by one. And all of a sudden now you have like the best possible matchup you could ask for in the divisional round. So I, I like the Lions here. I, I think we get a relatively close game. I don't think it's a blowout 
but I'll take Detroit with the six and a half. Yeah, I, I'm with you on on Detroit, where they're they're hard to trust. I, I you know, it, I was really hand wringing about which side I was going to be on la- last week. I, I ended up uh, going the Lions route, and throughout the course of, of this week, I've been kind of riding high on on what Tampa did. But um, you know, as as we've talked a little bit more, and I, as I did some more prep for for the show today, I'm a little bit less convinced in. To, to be fair, like the, the Lions secondary isn't great, obviously. Like the Eagles, they seem like they were more so like on quit watch, like the in a playoff game uh, of all times to do that. I mean, yeah. you, you let uh, Trey Palmer just like weave his way through your defense. Like Trey Palmer's fast, but uh, give me a break. Like it, he could have gotten stopped there. Uh, you're talking about a, a big shot play to David Moore and then just kind of like David, a, Moore. David Moore. And then, uh, you know, B- Baker Mayfield just kind of, Heat checking a, 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 a like twenty yard touchdown to Chris Godwin to, to kind of like drive the final stake in. You're just like, oh my god! But I if for all the problems that that um that the Lions secondary has had over the course of the year, I don't think that they have that happen to them. And I think it, it was important to see just how lively that Detroit pass rush and Aiden Hutchinson especially um, were at, with the game on the line last week. So I, I think that that um, that Tampa Bay offensive line, other than uh, Tristan Wirfs could be in trouble here. And I, I think that Baker probably isn't still a hundred percent mobility wise. So that, that I think is a big factor at play here. And I, I think that the Bucks defense is solid, but I, I think that um, the, the Lions offense, especially at home, um, you know, you, you, you have so many options, so many weapons. It's, it's amazing that Sam Laporte is still playing. I'm on St. Brown playing like a man possessed right now. Jameer Gibbs keeps coming on super strong and David Montgomery is just kind of like the, this nice hammer uh, to have in your back pocket to to uh, use when you need it. So uh, there's a lot of ways. I mean, even Josh Reynolds was stepping up, I thought, a little bit. He won't have the revenge game narrative this time around. But uh, I like the Lions here, and I think I like them a lot, actually. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to, man. And I, I'm, I'll be interested to see, you know, how effectively can Detroit run the ball on what's been a, a very good Tampa Bay run defense for most of the season. You know, Lions obviously way up there in terms of run frequency feels like every week, you know, David Montgomery is carrying the ball 15 to 18 times Gibbs, you know, getting his 12 to 13 carries. I, I do wonder, you know, if, if Tampa Bay steps up and, and stuffs David Montgomery early on, you know, does Detroit get away from that? Do they, do they keep pounding? Are they, are they okay with a, you know, 16 carries for 54 yards type of day from David Montgomery just to, to kind of keep Tampa Bay honest. Um, but I, I, I do think, you know, the Buccaneers secondary, is exploitable. The line secondary is also exploitable, but not quite as exploitable. And I, I think if you turn this into a game where, where Tampa Bay won't be able to run the ball, which I, I don't think they will, you know, we, we've seen Baker Mayfield come through a couple times this season. I think you're asking a lot for a guy who's never really, never really come through in this kind of spot on the road with an NFC title game on the line. And it, it just, it just doesn't really feel to me like the Buccaneers belong in this game. Uh, I, I think they caught a great matchup in the wild card round against Philly. And I think this might be a reminder of what it's like to play a team that actually cares about football and likes each other and likes his coach. Um, and, and like you mentioned, it's going to be a wild environment, right? So I, I think this is a huge home field advantage for Detroit. Um, you know, the, the one thing with Tampa Bay, obviously they blitz a ton. Can they get after Jared Goff? I think that would, that the one thing I would worry about if I'm a Lions fan is much like Dak Prescott, I think Jared Goff is susceptible to the occasional disaster game. And it's like, if, if he goes out and throws a pick on the first drive or he's sacked, you know, twice on the first two series and all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's second and 21 and instead of second and eight, you know, then, then I could see, you know, the Lions pressing a little bit, you know, when they went through somewhat of a, a rough period earlier, it, like kind of in the middle of the regular season, 
it felt like they were a team that when they were getting punched or when things weren't going their way, you know, we talk about it on this show all the time. They were just you know, randomly going forward on fourth down, trying to trying to get it all back on one drive. So if you can get the Lions backpedaling, I, I think that's where the advantage could be for Tampa Bay. But I just I don't I don't see the Buccaneers building enough of a lead where where Detroit has to go into a panic. No, it, it you know like, like the film old school. We we don't need Frank the Tank coming back. Like that, that's with Goff. Like we don't need Goof coming back when he turns into Goof. You know a, anything uh, is possible. Uh, you know he has some of the wackiest dare I say zaniest looking looking turnovers. Sometimes like the empty hand, the ball's just like. 10 yards behind him getting scooped up, you know, like he definitely needs to not do that, but I, I, I'm trusting that, that he'll keep it together. I, I think that the lions meltdown comes uh, next weekend. I, I feel strongly about that, regardless of, of who they play, uh, whether the Niners or, or somehow the Packers, but um, this week, keep it on the level. I, I think that the, we get a friendly number here with this being six and a half. Um, I think that there, there's a little bit of public optimism and, and having seen yep. what, what, you know, you, you, with your horse blinders on, you see the Buccaneers beat the Eagles, and objectively, you might just be like, "Ah, well, uh, they beat the Eagles like that. They must be really good." I stopped short of that. Um, the Action Network did bring up some some good points on uh, on Baker and in Tampa Bay. Um, Baker, oddly enough, three and zero against the spread in in the postseason, seven and one against the spread in his last eight a, as an underdog. Um, I think it's interesting also that that ninety uh, percent of the money. Uh, seems to be coming in on the over in this one. I don't think the Bucks do their part uh, to, to to get us there. So I think that that uh, the Lions would pretty much have to put up 35 uh, in order for for that one to, to come in. So I, I'm looking at this one, and I'm seeing Lions 30, Bucks 17. Another good note that I dug up from the Action Network: teams that win as an underdog in the wild card round are six and 25 straight up, 14 and 17. ATS in the divisional round over the last 20 years. If you, if you just take the last 13 seasons or maybe 12 seasons, I don't know, going back to 2011, that's the point. Those teams are one in 17 straight up and eight in 10 against the spread. So I, you know, I don't think we can completely rule out Tampa Bay hanging around. Like if this game was like, I don't know, 24, 17, 23, 17, I don't think that would shock you. Uh, but you know, the, the numbers strongly suggest that these these underdogs that win on wildcard weekend really struggle to to try to push to win straight up in the divisional. And I think, like you said, you look back at the Philly game and, and and you're thinking, oh, man, if they beat the Eagles, well, you know, they should be able to hang in with Detroit. I think I think the fact that we saw Houston and Green Bay win as underdogs the way that they did, I, I think there's a little bit of underdog fever going on now. And we, we might be due for a correction this weekend. That's that's where I'm where I'm landing with it. I, I think the, the Lions kind of got their proverbial mon- monkey off their back, getting their first postseason win in basically our lifetimes, and I, I think that they will uh, continue to to uh, get it done this weekend. It's it's next weekend that I that I'm really concerned about for the Lions. I don't view them as a Super Bowl team. Uh, they're they're like nine to one right now. Uh, I'm not I'm not really touching that again. We have kind of long standing trust issues with with the Lions, but in this spot, I'm backing them. By the way, the way this is breaking down for San Francisco, man, I mean, you're down to the final four in the NFC and it's Jordan Love in his first playoffs. It's Baker Mayfield in the Buccaneers and it's Jared Goff in the Detroit Lions. Those, those are the teams potentially standing between you and the Super Bowl berth. But yeah, that, that's why I'm, I'm pretty sure that that the Niners are like minus money to uh, to win the NFC and make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. And, and rightfully so. Uh, a couple props real quickly on this game. I like the under 44 and a half rushing yards for Jameer Gibbs. Again, Tampa Bay, great against the run. They have been all year. I think this is a spot where 
Gibbs is involved. He makes his mark on the game. I think it's as a pass catcher. I think if they're going to pound the run or attempt to against Tampa Bay, it's with David Montgomery. So conversely, I actually like the over on 14 carries for David Montgomery. He had exactly 14 last week. Wasn't super effective. You can see that similar script playing out this week. Uh, but the Lions continue to run him. And they also ran a season low 55 plays last week. I mean, they're averaging closer to 68 to 70 plays on the year. When they played Tampa Bay back in week six, they ran 69 offensive play. So I think we, we get higher volume. You know, that could be two, three more series, depending on how long they go for Detroit, uh, if they inch closer to their their average in terms of total plays. And obviously, I think there's some trickle down there for David Montgomery. All right, John, that brings us to Sunday night. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we get Chiefs Bills in the Sunday night window. Bills, two and a half point favorites at home. 45 and a half is the total. This is the matchup that we thought we would get, that we almost knew we would get at some point in the AFC postseason, the path that both of these teams took to get here, not at all what we expected. It's been a complete roller coaster season for Buffalo. There were several points at which it looked like they might not even make the postseason. You know, the, the, like the thought of them winning the division five weeks ago seemed insane, but here we are. They end up as the two Kansas city wins their division. They end up as the three. This, this is a ultra difficult game for me to evaluate. And it's interesting because I, I think, I think if both of these teams had lived up to the type of team we thought they would be all season, it would be an equally tough game. But the fact that we don't know like what version to expect of either team makes it even tougher. Yes. I, I mean, th this, this is different than two playoffs ago where, where you would say like, these are two teams at like the absolute peak of their powers. And that game delivered probably the most memorable uh, postseason game of the last decade. Plus, I mean, it, one of the best ones uh, ever. Uh, I feel like, every time that we're in Vegas and, you know, like it, that time of year, July, like there's not a lot of like live sports going on at three in the morning Pacific time. So that game's almost always on the, uh, on the replay. And I always forget just how insane, like the last two minutes plus overtime uh, in that game were, but, uh, but I digress um, for, as far as this game goes, I, I felt like, I felt like the chiefs, are here as it pertains to, you know, getting past last weekend because the Dolphins didn't want to be here. I think that the Dolphins and the Eagles had a similar crappy uh, attitude and, and uh, you know, it, it would have been uh, completely all on the Chiefs if they if they found a way to, to lose that game last week. And the Lions, or I'm sorry, the Dolphins really want to know part of that. So I, I only give the, the Chiefs really partial credit here. Um, I don't take away much from like the, the big storyline of this being uh, Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game i think he's nails like a, he's got alligator blood like i don't think he's going to be rattled in this situation but i do think that the season-long problem with the chiefs that is you know quite literally impossible to solve in season especially once you get past the trade deadline is they don't have the pat they don't have the horses you know like that travis kelsey is is clearly slowing down rasheed rice for as good as he is he can't be like the only guy carrying your offense and so like you, you take these shots to keep the defense honest to me, Cole Hardman, but you know, those, those don't seem to be landing. Your, your alternative is doing a shot to, to MVS. That's not a great option either. Um, I, I know that the, the bills are a little bit banged up in that linebacking core. So maybe Pacheco, uh, especially with, with this game being in cold conditions like that, that could be a factor here. That was certainly a huge factor in the bills uh, postseason loss a year ago at home uh, in, in the same or very same weekend. So that's all in play, but I think Josh Allen is the scariest quarterback on the planet right now. Um, I, I know that the turnovers are 
Um, they, they are what they are with, with Josh Allen. But I think at the same time, like he's a guy that can will the team to win. Like he, he if if the passing game isn't clicking, if the run game isn't doing it, he's just going to do it himself. And and he's just he's so effective as a runner. He's such like a bull in a china shop uh, going down the field. I mean, I think that he alone, I think, is going to is going to have his moment in, in this game. And, and uh, the Bills, for all their warts, they're going to be in the AFC championship game. I don't think the Bills have necessarily fixed themselves. You know, I think injuries are a big part of it, but I feel more confident that they're back on track than I do Kansas City. And I think you're totally right. We got got a little bit of a false flag last week because Miami just Miami just wasn't ready for that. Tua wasn't ready. It was a bad spot for them weather-wise. You know, I, I think we talked about not wanting to overvalue that aspect of it. Tua looked like a guy who was very cold the entire game. And I, I think that, would, that turned into a really advantageous spot for Kansas City. And, you know – the weather's not going to be like horrendous in Buffalo, but it's still a, a pretty huge home field advantage. I think I'm with you. I, I don't expect Patrick Mahomes to, to wilt because he's all of a sudden on a road or on the road in a playoff game. Like it's Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to be just fine, but I, I think Mahomes can, can be himself and, you know, play like his usual best player in the world, uh, you know, self. But I just, like you said, they, they don't, they neither have the Jimmy's nor the Joe's John uh, on that offense. And I, I think it was, it was papered over a little bit because they were in such a favorable spot against a banged-up Miami team. The injuries on the Buffalo side do worry me because, you know, the way our guy Jim Coventry described it on the show this week was they're going to have trouble fielding an NFL defense. That worries me because Jim Jim knows these guys better than I do. He knows, like, the third linebacker uh, for the Buffalo Bills. A.J. Klein. <laughs> uh, Shout-out to Jim, man. The most prepared man in the industry by a mile. Facts. Uh, I mean, they, they could be without two or three starting linebackers. They could be without two or three starting D-backs. You know, Rasul Douglas didn't play last week. Obviously, Milano, Trey White, those guys are already on IR. Von Miller's banged up. I mean, I, I, I do think all things equal, the Bills win this game. I just there, – there is a world here in which they're so banged up on defense that it you know it's convoluted. They're, they're missing assignments, and the Chiefs are able to, to kind of squeak their way by here. But I don't know. I, I'm on Buffalo. That's where I went in, in beating the book. I, I think the Bills – I even went as specific as to say the Bills win this on a on a last second field goal. That would that would seem very fitting for how these teams and, and this game would go. It would. It, it's going to come down to the wire. There, there's a reason why this one is minus two and a half. I, I am on the Bills. Um, once we get to the parlays, I'm, I'm kind of staying against the Bills on the spread and, and just going more more the money line route. But um, you know, I do. Tyler Bass needs to not yank it. Uh, like like <laughs> that one was it an extra point attempt or a field goal? Was it a field goal late in the game? against the Steelers this past week. I mean, that, that kick blocked. had uh, – it just had no prayer. I, I, I don't think it was blocked, or maybe it was, but uh, – had one to... blocked, and it bounced, it bounced like 40 yards the other way. It was like the oh, longest they... – like it must have hit so square on somebody's palm. <laughs> I, I remember one just going due left, and, and uh, that, that didn't look great. So maybe he needs the second eye black. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, – yeah. Way. I was I was locked in a battle with the local cable company during that game, so I was like struggling to stream it on my phone. I'm not, not going to get into details here, um, but wasn't thrilled uh, with how that one broke down. So I, I didn't I wasn't as locked in on Tyler Bass's every kick as I normally would be. Right, I I, I know you as the as the T Bass expert generally. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I I get it. The the cable company uh, they they pulled that stunt at the beginning of the college football season yeah. where everyone had had a that had Spectrum that tried to turn you into ESPN right at eight o'clock Eastern. They're like, we don't have this anymore. Sorry. Right. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, all right. So let's, let's close the book here. Let's make an official pick on this game. I, I think 
I'm yet, you know, you and I listen to a ton. We, we read a ton throughout the week. I have not, I'm yet to read one thing or listen to one thing where I'm like, yes, that is the way I, I agree. Like nothing would surprise me in this game. I think it's going to be close that, that I will guarantee. I, I think this is a close game. I don't see either team running away. Um, you know, I, I would be shocked if this is more than like, you know, 13 points one way or the other. And that would require some, some kind of walkiness on, on one side or the other, but I'm going Buffalo. I, I think two and a half, if, if you like the bills, it's fine. You know, uh, some people would say, just take the points in a game that's this close, you know, maybe Rams lions would be the illustrator on that one. But if I'm taking the bills to win, I think they could do it by at least a field goal. I like it. I, I'm on the bills against the spread here as well. And I think if, if this one does kind of turn into a blowout, I think it's in Buffalo's favor. I don't, I don't think the chiefs have okay. that in them right now. All right. All right. Well, let's go to the parlays of the week, John. Uh, I'll get my like just wuss parlay out before you drop like a 40 to one on us. Um, we're, we're taking the Niners minus nine and a half. We're taking the Lions minus six and a half. And we're taking the over 50 and a half in Packers Niners. That gets you to almost six to one at DK. I like that. That there, that will uh, that will certainly play. Um, and, and like you said, you, your uh, your boilerplate six to one, but you know that that will work. Last week, uh, the the almost twenty five to one, four legs of it came in. Uh, we were we were so close to uh, be podcasting from a yacht, uh, but uh, oh well. Um, so I'll start with with this one. We'll we'll kind of ease in. Uh, this one's just eight to one. Baltimore money line, San Francisco minus nine and a half. Detroit alternate spread up to eight and a half minus minus eight and a half uh, that pays out plus one twenty nine and the Buffalo money line that will get you to, to plus eight twelve. Um, the right. bigger the bigger parlay this one's a little bit over twenty to one. Baltimore against the spread minus nine and a half. San Francisco minus nine and a half. We got Detroit minus six and a half. We've got the under in that game as well under forty nine and a half in Tampa Bay versus Detroit. We also have the Buffalo money line that pays out plus twenty one forty four. Okay, I like that one a lot. Could, wait, could you do a, a quick recap on that if you still have it up, just real quick? What the five legs were? I do. the The five legs are Baltimore minus nine and a half, San Francisco minus nine and a half, Detroit minus six and a half, under forty nine and a half in Tampa Bay and Detroit, and Buffalo money line that pays out plus twenty one forty four. Tell me where it loses. I don't think it does. I don't, I don't think it, it does. Um, so the, the Tampa Bay-Detroit total, that is that is a fear that Tampa Bay doesn't hold up its end of the bargain? Correct. That is that is completely it. I, I think that um, the, those shot plays kind of run out. Um, it, it It's not to say that, like, I think the Bucks are going to turn into what they were in, in Week 18 against the, the Panthers and, and score nine points or anything like that, but um, that – they got their playoff win. I think that you know things maybe don't break their way quite the same against a motivated Detroit team at home. Um, I think that you know Philly was full quit watch. Again, not taking away too much. I know it sounds like I am, but um, I respect the Bucks. But I think the the their journey ends here. All right, I love it. I love it, John. Uh, you can go check out my full write-ups on all these games over at Beating the Book. You can find that at rotowire.com slash football. Uh, John, when is your next pod with Mario? Uh, we will keep those rolling. Uh, we, we keep them rolling all year long. So we, we record those on Thursdays. I believe today's uh, should be up already. I think that, that that will be hitting podcast feeds any minute. It's already uploaded into the podcast overlord servers and uh, should be disseminated 
as such. So uh, that's an hour and a half or so of uh, on like four games, plus a little bit of uh, postmortems on uh, on the Dolphins and, and the Eagles. We, we kind of we really pick the carcasses on, on those two. All right. We love it. John, always great breaking down these games with you. Best of luck to you. Uh, best of luck to me as well. I'm going to need it at a rough uh, wild card weekend. Best of luck to everybody listening. Get those bets in. Let us know how you do on Twitter. If you want to tail us, if you want to go against us, you're welcome to do either. Uh, we we got to get like a, a special John McEchnie parlay on, on draft games. We, we got to get on the horn with them, like some sort of boosted, uh, like sicko McEchnie parlay each week. Uh, look, I, I'm listening. I, I think the sales pitch needs to be made. I, I just needed a, a bit more backing for, from a more legitimate source such as yourself. So uh, now, now we got, now we got the horses to make this happen. I think. 